a film vault somewhere in downtown Los Angeles, you are listening to the Film A Week Podcast. Hi, and welcome to Film Week. I'm your host, Serge Barrett. And I'm better. And we are continuing our books on book book on screen. That's what I called it. Yes, book on screen. Why I forget? I don't fucking know. Anyway, <laughs> as I war with myself on what the hell this month is called, um, this week after we covered James Bond for a double uh, double seven twenty three revisited, um, this time we are focusing on a film week revisited in which we revisit a film from five years ago, and this movie should have been left. In five years ago, we are covering 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the Walt Disney live-action adaptation classic. Patrick? What the fuck do you want me to say about it? <laughs> well, what I want you to say is, as I open up the Wikipedia on my phone that should have the synopsis, the film is a 1954 adaptation of the famous Jules Verne novel of the same name. Filmed in Cinerama, Cinemascope, not Cineramascope. The fuck? <laughs> in Cinemascope. And features such actors as Kurt Douglas, Paul Lucas, Peter Laurie, and James Mason, who talks like this all the time. This was produced by Walt Disney Productions and even produced by the man himself, Walt Disney. There's like two guys in this movie that look like Walt Disney. I, I, was seven. Like, I kept saying, is that Walt Disney? You're like, no. Disney. I was like, is that Walt Disney? And you're like, no. No. <laughs> it's not Walt Disney. If you keep saying that, I'm going to turn this movie around. I swear to God. <laughs> if you don't do, kids, don't stop this. I'll turn this thing around. That's it. Back to Winnipeg. <laughs> no. <laughs> We've quoted so much Simpsons in the past fucking months. <laughs> Everything just revolves around it. Uh, this film, at the time of its making, was the most expensive live-action film made. And it was successful, though, right? It was successful. It was made on a budget of about $5 million over ran to $9 million, actually. That is, like, now, that's indie movie budget. Yes. That's and amazing. it grossed about $28.2 million. Wow. Which is probably roughly pretty fucking high now in standards if you add inflation to the mix this film actually went on like we said we went went on to be a box office success and is actually part of the company's legacy itself in fact it went on to become a freaking ride at disneyland with the 20,000 league submarine voyage the one in anaheim right yes the one in anaheim also um walt uh, disney world got it as well but then uh you know me and 
Sergio got me in a Defunct Planet, which is a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And they modeled their, was it their Space Mountain? Their Space Mountain. Their Space originally was modeled after the another Jules Verne uh, ride, but along the, you know, you guys, if you guys ever been at Disneyland or any theme park, there's like a waiting area as you get to a ride. The waiting area for uh, the Space Mountain in Euro Disney or Disney uh, Paris or France, whatever the hell it's called, mm-hmm. uh, was was based off of uh, Captain Nemo's like Nautica and all that stuff. Yeah, um, which was um, which is actually pretty cool because if you if you guys look at that, like it looks amazing. Yeah, it was based on a trip to the moon, which is one of his things, and they borrowed heavily from, from the, the Smashing Pumpkins music video starring Tom Kenny. Yes, I know. I was gonna say they borrowed heavy from the. Uh, a silent film of <laughs> Trip to the Moon by George Belays, but yes, the Smashy Pumpkins Tonight Tonight video. <laughs> His bald fat head. Oh, he's got a big ass head. He does have a big ass head. Oh my god, especially in like the 1979 video. Because this is, we're on a tangent, but trust me, we need I mean, it. he's wearing that turtleneck that doesn't like, it oh, and splits his body. We. So you just see his head even more. And and he, then yeah, and he's just like chilling in the back of a car. Yeah. Like, man. Billy like, Corgan with hair looked really cool, though. Oh, he did. I, I'm glad Hi, the Simpsons. Billy Corgan, smashing pumpkins. <laughs> Over Simpson, smiling politely. <laughs> Yeah, um, that ended up, that ride that we just mentioned ended up t- getting turned into Space Mountain Mission Two, and uh, in fact, what wasn't as popular. Honestly, just go watch that video. I'll probably link it on the bottom. It was also um, <clears throat> a walkthrough attraction at the Paris as well, and uh, Disney appropriately Tokyo Disney Sea, which is a which is one of their theme parks over in the Tokyo Resort, right next to Disneyland. Uh-huh. It's like uh, that's actually like in on a, a bay. Oh, okay. So that's why it's called Tokyo Disney Sea, but they also have a dark ride based on the book. I think the book and the movie as well. Um, this movie has only been available on DVD right. and VHS. Uh, there is no Blu-ray release. Which is weird, because if it's such an important film, you think they would have released it, but watching it, you can kind of see why. Oh, oh yeah. And enough wasting your time. We, uh, you will listen to the trailer. Be back with our thoughts on 2000 Leagues Under the Sea. It sucked! power as the two masters of imagination, Jules Verne and Walt Disney, join to bring you a shattering new experience in entertainment. Read by countless millions, translated into 18 languages, this classic adventure is a story of measureless scope, fraught with fantastic beauty and danger. Four great stars give the spark of life to its leading characters in a series of inspirational performances. 
Kirk Douglas as the master harpooner, Ned Land. Got a whale of a tail to tell you lads, a whale of a tail or two. About the flatfoot fish and the girls I've loved on nights like this with the moon above. A whale of a tail and it's all true, I swear by my tattoo. James Mason is Captain Nemo, who held the destiny of the world in his hands. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. Paul Lucas as Professor Aranax of the Paris Institute. I asked you to leave, Professor. You also asked me ashore to show me man's inhumanity to man. Why? To justify this? You are not only a murderer, you are a hypocrite. The proof lies out there. You call that murder? Peter Lorre as Conceal. Sure, we're friends. Go ahead. Hit me. Huh? Hit me. You mean that? Sure, go ahead. You can't miss it. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now we are friends. The most vivid scenes from the novel become unforgettable on the screen. The luxurious interior of the submarine. The revelation of the hidden mysteries of the deep. We do our hunting and farming here. And the water? The sea supplies all my wants. The mighty harvests of the ocean kingdom. And the strange creatures that menace the intruders on the ocean floor. And after a safe return, the memorable dinner party. It's remarkable. This tastes like veal. The flavor deceives you. That is filet of sea snake. Hmm. I guess this isn't lamb. That is brisket of blowfish with sea squared dressing, basted in barnacles. <clears throat> what is it? That's a recipe of my own. Sotie of unborn octopus. <laughs> and to stay in your memory as the most thrilling sequence ever photographed in motion picture history, the terrifying battle with the giant squid. good as he just mentioned <laughs> um i was just practicing my peter Lorre and kirk douglas impression which apparently to me sound very similar so when doing this series and doing the trying to figure out what movies would work uh years later to watch on this so far we've had a pretty good run i wanted i mostly put this on here because i think i really wanted to rewatch it and see like if it held up because i thought it was just okay watch the first time around i kind of thought kirk douglas was all right it did it was very boring and um 
looking back on it now that we have rewatched it this movie does doesn't hold up it's boring it's like boring i and i'm not joking when i say this part the last five minutes is when it gets interesting he's not when in the last five like, minutes that's when, like there was a tension and like a, a fight that broke out and there was like kind of some stakes at hand and it's like oh wow look at that and then i like i moved the the the, I, I checked to see the time and I was like too bad it's like fucking four minutes too late like there's like four minutes not four minutes too late too bad it's only like four fucking minutes man it's like Jesus and you said it while we were watching it there's potential to turn this like really great story or the story that was given in the novel and what was written the thing that people were ex- like excited to see to turn it into something interesting and compelling and this movie doesn't doesn't really have that so I, I've never, I, I'm aware of the story, but I've never really been I into the too. story of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I was actually expecting something more along the lines of like the Fantastic Voyage. Which ironically, the director of this, uh, Richard. Mate, yeah, so yeah, when Richard you said Christian. that, I was kind of like, oh, so, you know, even though it's it's a little dated, there should be some like, you know, kind of tension or action or something moving along. It kind of just meanders everywhere. And then like, there's these like interesting character dynamics that like they set up and then immediately drop. Like, they'll say it, and then they immediately just don't do anything with it, and it's, like, such a disappointment. It is. It is. So, it was James Mason? James Mason was Nemo. James Mason plays Captain Nemo, who was actually supposed to be, like, an Indian uh, captain? Yes. Uh, Which is one thing the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen got right. He looked... I honestly, like, when I saw him, I was like, whoa, that guy looks really cool. Yeah, he looked fucking awesome. And then, like, (laughs) I watched this movie, I was like, I'm expecting that, and then I was severely disappointed. (laughs) Because it's not who you think not it was. Not that The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was a good movie, but, I mean, they had, like, a good look to it, you know? Like, everyone looked really bitching. Yeah. The yeah. movie's not good, um, but it's awesome in my eyes. I mean, like, Captain put... Nemo looks fucking sick. Hell yeah. Uh, and that boat looked dope, too. Yeah, he was, like, a uh, British car Raja or whatever. Yeah, and that car looked dope. The movie was weak. Um, but and that's I... our review of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But, like, there is, like, these interesting character dynamics that they built up and then they just didn't do anything with. Like, no. between him, there's, like, you know, the one between him and the professor. There's uh, there's one between him and Kirk Douglas's character. And you're like, oh, wow, these are really interesting dynamics between the two of them. And then they just never drop it. Or there's, like, this interesting... Or, like, even, like, Nemo's uh, backstory. It's like, oh, wow, I can see why that would be an interesting character development. And then they just kind of don't really do anything with it. No, they just also, they, they never... don't. They don't straight out say that his problem is with the British Empire. Yeah. Even though when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's the East India Trading Company because they're like wearing those like beige uniforms and stuff like that. They mm-hmm. just they're just an army of beige men that Nemo hates for some reason. Yeah. At- and he, like he lost he, his family to them, and he says he was enslaved by them. Yeah, and then nothing really happened. They don't show because he ba- the end of the he movie. basically was just like, oh, I hate society, and I don't want to <clears throat> want to interfere with that, and I'm better here at the bottom of the ocean, and I'm yeah, like he wants to. But also another thing is like he wants to commit. Like he's like, oh, I'm humanity is uh, meant for better things, but I'm not going to be around. I, like I don't, I'm not going to help out in any way. Yeah, it's like, well, what are you contributing then? You shit, like you're just. You're so, you think you're so above everyone, but you don't want to like help or anything like that. Yeah, and it's a and but like okay, so that's us saying that. But the professor never really kind of talks to him. Like I mean, he does, but there's not like Nemo. The way the the dialogue between them is written, it's for Nemo meant to sound like he's the right one. There's no mm-hmm. like back and forth exchange. The professor's kind of like docile for the most part. Also, he's one of the main characters, but honestly, he's barely even in it. Yeah, he's an interesting character, and that's what you want to focus on. You want to focus on 
what happened to him you want to focus on the what got him to this point the madness the inventions the things that he's doing but there's the moment where he just like head-on attacks the ship without any like real like the ship gets damaged and stuff like that and he just like there's like a it's kind of an intense moment and that's when they're like whoa whoa hey something's up with you and then they kind of like they kind of downplay it they Mm -hmm. go they just like from then on they go we have to leave the ship because he's kind of crazy i'm like yeah no shit but like no one's gonna talk about that even more or like he kind of just tells the professor like i don't bother with it he goes all right well fucking nemo said don't bother with it so let's not fucking mess with him yeah like one of the more fun parts was with uh kirk douglas and peter laura's character oh yeah when they went off the when they were on new guinea for a bit i don't know something about their kind of camaraderie i was like that was kind of fun i kind of they have an interesting dynamic against each other like on a difference level ones were kind of like one's a swashbuckler one's peter laurie yeah very much i'm kirk douglas and i'm peter laurie (laughs) what are we doing on this island (laughs) i'm gonna deck you i wouldn't do that if i were you (laughs) yeah they have been most of the time was like i was probably driving search crazy i was like trying to figure out how to do kirk douglas and peter laurie and they were mixing you you weren't driving me crazy the movie was driving me crazy Because I was like, oh, I don't think this is make this is gonna make for anything. It's interesting. it just meanders, and there's like oh, so many. You know the ship that like okay, so they start. Uh, was it uh, Kirk Douglas and uh, Peter Lorre and the Professor? They're on the same like naval boat. Yeah. They get they're attacked by Nemo's ship, right? Yes, the Nautilus. Yes. Does does he ever? I just noticed. Does he ever say why he attacked them? I think it has. It's back thought, to the society thing. No, I thought it was because he's. Wasn't it because they saw him and they just shot? So he was like, "Oh fuck you, then." Yeah. Wasn't that it? I and think then, so. Yeah. And then only three people just go overboard, and the ships never look for them ever again. Uh-huh. They just go, "Fuck it, they're a lost cause. Let's get out of here, boys." <laughs> out. <laughs> I mean, they're not all motorboats, but that's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> also, Kirk Douglas has a singing role in this. He's not a bad singer. It's just like there's a weird musical number in the beginning. Yeah. For some reason. And then it continues because that's the only fucking song you know. It's the only song that Kirk Douglas knows in this well, movie. Well, it's a love tale. You know, it's true. Something, something, something. Also, I think. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'm over exaggerating, but I think there was animal abuse in the movie. I think, but I also feel like. Because when they, they showed, were holding those turtles against their will. Yeah. Those well, turtles did not want to go the direction those guys were going. No. And I don't know what happened with that shark. I. Honestly, I think the shark thing, because uh, we were watching it, and you're like, did they do that? And I look, I was like, that film looks worse than the film. Oh, you think it might have been a documentary I think it's a, shot? I think it's like a doc shot, yeah. And then there's that thing with the crabs, and not not that I have, not that I'm a big fan of crabs. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not going to fuck with crabs to just fuck with crabs, you know? Or lobsters, yeah. whatever they were. <laughs> but, like, they were doing a thing with a net. I don't know. It was the 50s. Yeah, but I have a feeling that, like, they did it for the shot, and they just let them go after Hopefully. That's, that's what yeah. you're hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for. Walt, tell us. I'm dead. My head is cut off and frozen. <laughs> we put on a robot. <laughs> tell it's Lillian. It's on the Matterhorn. <laughs> it's on the Matterhorn? It's tell Lillian. Lillian's dead. Tell Roy. Tell Diane. She's dead, too. Tell Roy. They're they're all dead. Roy E? <laughs> He's dead, too. Fuck. Ah. <laughs> no one's <laughs> ever going to get me out of the Yeti and the Matterhorn. <laughs> He's in the Yeti. He's not the head. He's in the stomach part of it. Oh, it wouldn't be funny if he's, he's like the one the that head. yodels in the Matterhorn. Yole. Oh yeah, they do have that shit. Have you ever been to the Matterhorn in beautiful Los uh, Los Anaheim, California, at Disneyland? There is a yodel part at one point. It is very weird. Fun fact: back in the day when that ride was first open, they actually had 
<laughs> people climbing it throughout the day. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, that's they hired actors. That's why there's a basketball court in the middle. Oh, so they can just chill. Yeah, they can oh, chill. Oh, that why Shaq was able to play with everyone. Oh, fuck yeah, Shaq! <laughs> Those photos are awesome. I know the yet the matter the Yeti in the Matterhorn doesn't work the way it used to anymore. Oh well, they went ahead and fixed it with a new one. Is it finally fixed? They uh they have I one that goes oh. Because I and remember. They, they, um, is it as impressive as the original though? It's an animatronic, like a newer animatronic. Yeah. It goes oh. And you'll hear it. But one thing they also do is that they added a projection at one point. Uh-huh. So at one point, you see a projection of a Yeti running around. I think I've seen... I think I've been on that one. Yeah. They had the projection. But I think I was there right before the animatronic was added. Okay, yeah. Because that because part was... Because I heard that for the Matterhorn, they had, like, they, there was no way to really fix it. Because that main animatronic had to be... You had to dismantle the mountain to get to the... Yes. To the Yeti. I keep trying to call that one the Matterhorn. But yeah. The Matterhorn. But yeah, no, like... Yeah, they, they, they added, like, a projection to it. And louder effects. I went on it recently. I was like, oh, fuck, this is cool. Anyway, <laughs> this movie happened. <laughs> there was just, like, so so her potential for this fucking movie, too. Like, the and, and you could like, see that. You could see that potential Yeah, there. because, like, they say it, too. Like, they say, like, when you think about it, like, oh, wow, that's actually kind of interesting. I wonder what they're going to do. And then they don't do anything with it. And you're like, oh, this is what happens when you don't do anything in a movie. The only, the only thing about this movie that... It's kind of a great aesthetic. Like, everything looks really nice. Oh, yeah. Everything looks beautiful. Like, like the this. set design is amazing. Yeah, like, they didn't F around with that. You see, like, these, you know, the steampunk vibe of, the, like, the ship. You see that steamwork. Basically, see... all right. So, guys, if you guys ever watched Atlantis, The Lost Empire, from also that's from Disney. Yes. Just think of the ships that they go on to reach Atlantis that are promptly destroyed. I'm about to lay some knowledge on you as well. Uh-huh. So... It relates to this. Uh-huh. So when the 2000 Leagues Under Sea ride had closed down, Disney was like, all right, so we got to close it down. We, we don't really want to do anything. They had closed it down because it, they were like, okay, that's fine. But we do want to reopen it. Had Atlantis not failed. Which is bullshit because that is an amazing movie. 2000 Leagues the ride would have been a, was going to be Atlantis Expedition. Expedition. Yeah, it's going to be a, a Atlantis based. Only ride. millennials will understand how good Atlantis. <laughs> is Only millennials. Art but now designed it, by Mike Mignola. An amazing <laughs> cast. Michael J. Fox, James Gardner, Chris Summer, Dream Varney, Chris Summer. Also, like a voice actor veteran like Chris Summer, like was in it. Would was in a major like movie. Oh fuck yeah! Hell yeah! It was. It was. It's a. Oh yeah, I, I make bombs. I, I make a lot of bombs. When I was a kid, I didn't like it. When I finally. That's because you didn't know a lot as a child, Sergio. And I, me, even me as a child, would have been like, "You're wrong." No, it wasn't until like I got to college and I watched. It, I was like, "This movie's really good. Why everyone give a shit?" That seems to be your common mo. Yeah. <laughs> shit on it when I'm young. Watch it. Watch it when I'm older. Oh man, I didn't know anything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, what did you think of my reviews? I was like, and then I was like, do you want me to be honest? You're like, yeah, I think you're a little pretentious. And you're like, oh, okay. And then like uh, two years later, you're like, yeah, you're right. I'm a pretentious asshole. Yeah. So like, it's like, well, I didn't want to add the asshole part. But. Well, you no, know, you're right. Because when I started off, I thought it was like the whole thing. You were kind of like you were kind of like every critic I didn't like. Yeah. And now it's like not you as a person. You're just your critique. Style. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like no, I like movies. I love yeah, movies. Yeah, that's the difference. God damn it. Yeah. Like, 
You, we 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 gave American Ninja too high marks, god damn it. Because it's really enjoyable. <laughs> and then even though like the story in that meanders, there's like a lot of crazy shit that happens. And I don't there's just nothing in here that keeps there my interest. There is nothing really And I wanna be interested. I really wanted to be interested. Because there's a lot of times that they put there's a lot of things that they put in to two thousand leagues that should be interesting. Twenty thousand leagues. Twenty thousand leagues, yes. Yeah, two thousand leagues. You, Even you, though they go ten fucking leagues, yeah, at which, one is, point, which, which that, is bullshit. That is a credit to him because halfway through the movie, they're like, "We've only been ten thousand leagues." I was like, "Oh, so at the other half, are we going to be at the twenty thousand mark?" <laughs> <laughs> like they never, they never mentioned how many leagues. Oh after no, that. they did, they didn't. It was, it was bothering the fuck out of me, honestly. But no, no, it's um, because you like the world that they're building. You like, well, like. They like the they like the ideas they throw out, but they never really go. Like, what the fuck powers the Nautilus? They don't explain it. As, they they as show I this joke, psych- as, as I show this fucking psychedelic thing for like two seconds. <laughs> they're like, look into the heart of the Nautilus. You're like, what the fuck is that? And it's like this bright, shining light that he needs like protective <laughs> gear to view. And I'm like, is that the heart of the TARDIS? And it's it's a lot like the heart of the TARDIS from Doctor Who. Yeah. And you're like, but oh. my thing was like, it's powered by the MCP from Tron. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> And then, like, they talk about the island that he lives on, Volcania or whatever. Volcania. And you're like, oh, okay. So he's like, once you get to Volcania, everything will be answered. We're in Volcania. We must destroy it. I was like, what? You, the fuck? At least we let just us, got here. Let us at least look at it. He's like, er, the and professor's it, like, well, I haven't seen anything. He's like, too bad. Volcania is basically a matte painting. <laughs> That's a beautiful matte. Isn't it an overhead shot? It's an overhead I thought shot. It was over, but was that a map painting? Or That's maybe, a map painting. Oh, wow. Okay. I, There's just, a, okay, so I wasn't paying close enough attention because there are really nice map oh, paintings. Oh, fuck yeah. Like the beginning where they're at the harbor. Like you see all those ships docked. You're like, whoa, wow. That's... If there's one thing Disney live action movies do right, it's motherfucking map paintings. To be honest, I was more inter- like thinking on this movie, I was a lot more interested in those first five minutes. And then the second they got to the, the Nautilus, Nautilus, I was like, oh, wow. I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're like, oh, what is the mystery? And then they're like, oh, it's a fut- it's a really futuristic ship. Oh, cool. Who's the captain? A really enigmatic guy. Oh, cool. Did we learn about him? No. <laughs> no. What about what about the dynamics of the crew? There's three people. Two of them are Hungarian, and one is Kirk Douglas. <laughs> well, Kirk what do they do? Motherfucking. Douglas. Well, Kirk Douglas wants to whore around and get drunk and rich. And Peter Laurie is attached to the professor. This and the professor's attached to, to James Mason's cock. And this movie was made when Kirk Douglas was a tender 76. Because <laughs> he's a thousand fucking years old. He's 101. 101 old. as of this recording. And he not- went from talking like this to fucking like this. <laughs> I'm so happy to see my son Kirk a lot of times with his earlobes <laughs> down to his cheeks. Uh, Jesus. Or to his, uh, he's not kidding. But I, don't, I, I don't know what happens to your earlobes. I, I, I I'm, I'm afraid to get older because I, I already have big earlobes as it is. I don't I think, know what's going to happen. Fu- I think you, people might be fucked. No, as of this recording, one, Kurt Douglas is 101. And two, not fucking dead? Also, you mean, like, good job, Kurt Douglas, but, like, maybe. Like, we're recording this in the first day of July. He, he We have, like, two a month and a, and a half of... He's 102 or what? And he's 101. He'll, oh. be, he'll be 102 in like December, I think. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, gee, yeah. <laughs> and Kurt and his son, Michael Douglas, already looks old. Yes. But Michael Douglas is 70 something. <laughs> Just stared me like, what the fuck? No, Kurt Douglas, uh, oh, Jesus. Not, not, not that we're shitting on him or being ages. It's just like, you ever just see someone and they're just too old and you're like, 
you don't need to, like you've lived your life. Yeah, I think he's like forty. You've done good, man. I think he's like forty or something in this movie. Forty he's or 40 30, in this? No, forty or thirty. This is fifty-four. I don't know what year Kirk Douglas was born. Uh, nineteen sixteen. Jesus, like two years after World War Two or World War One. Then World War One ended what nineteen fourteen or it started? I think, 19... I think it started nineteen fourteen. Then it was on like for like so nineteen sixteen. So he was a babe. Hi, welcome to the part of the podcast where we get to do math. He <laughs> was a film major. So in this movie, so five is oh he's thirty eight. He was thirty eight. He looks pretty good. He looks fucking He's like good. pretty red. You know, he's, he's yeah, high waisted pants. About, but. Yeah, oh, those high waisted pants though. Goddamn. He he looks. He looks. Well, I think that's kind of what counts is that he's always been a really. He looks guy. like what every old school dude in an old movie. Oh looks yeah, Kirk like. Douglas looks. Like, barrel fucking like he's barrel he's like muscular barrel but he's not like sucking up his gut yeah. that's just he's just like he look no that's him yeah. <laughs> it's fucking crazy also he's charismatic as hell oh hell yeah like, like when they let him shine he's very charismatic i love well the parts where he shine is honestly when he's with the sea lion esmeralda <laughs> yeah like the one scene he's like just singing her and they're like he's like feeding her fish and they're singing songs they're like this is at the end of the movie kisses guys. yeah is, yeah. And it kind of just happens out of nowhere. There's no indication that these two are going to be like buddies. The indicate one indication I like. Uh, uh, yeah, there is no indication. But another indication is that apparently in the first five minutes he was with hookers. <laughs> oh yeah, he just has like two prostitutes on his arm, and like they're like talk- the the main character's talking about the Nautilus or whatever. Uh-huh. And he goes, "You're full of shit." And then, he start- <laughs> and then he starts a fight. He punches some random guy. It wasn't the guy he started the fight yeah. with. He punches a random guy through the window. Moves through the crowd, finds his prostitutes, walks <laughs> off before he's carried away by the constables. Yes. And he goes, wait, where are you going? What am I doing? I didn't do it. Those are my women. <laughs> I need my women's. And then he, like, at one point when they go to the... All right. So when they go to New Guinea, it's a little racist. Oh, so... But, tux. like, so one thing that... <laughs> is, I want to go out there and meet some of them native women. I was all <laughs> like, all right. So Kirk Douglas wants to go out there and find some native strange. <laughs> Also, like, when they get to New Guinea, it's, like, 50s, like, just, if you've seen Johnny Quest, and they say, oh, tribesmen, and that's, that's literally what that is. You know, they got the fucking drums, and they're, like, they're clicking and hooting for talk, for their language. He's not wrong, and this is... And I, like, I was, I was watching, and I was like, God, that is, that is racist. That is fucked up. It's not like, it's... Okay, it's racist. It's just like, it's pure and simple. It's just racist. <laughs> it's not malevolent, but it's just of the times. Racist, and this is know? also one year after uh, Peter Pan, which has the most racist Disney scene I think I've ever seen in my fucking goddamn life. <laughs> I would agree with you on that. Oh, I mean, like it's shit. It's Song of the South, and then Peter Pan. I had to tell, and then <laughs> I had to tell my girlfriend like, I'm just gonna warn you. There's some racist shit halfway during the movie. Has she, she had never seen Peter Pan? She had only seen some of it, but she had never gotten that uh, far. And so I was like, just know when you get to this part. So, like, for you, does it start when the when what's it? Wendy's brothers are like, we're gonna be. They, they say like Indians, and then they do the the mouth thing. It, it kind of starts because when I think about that, I I always kind of cringe. I cringe. What is it, John? I think it's John. The motherfucker with the glasses uh, he, um, oh john boy oh john boy he he's like we're gonna sneak up his words just let you know everything else everything i'm about to say is his words not mine 
He's like, we're going to go and we're going to go to the village and we're going to sneak up on the Indians and they won't be able to, they won't be able to detect us because they don't have the intellect to do that. And then the people from the native, the native Americans proceed to do what he just said to them. (laughs) Like, go fuck yourself, kid. And then they do a whole song called what makes the red man red. And Sergio is very, very, very uncomfortable for the next five fucking minutes (laughs) of me just sitting there like. This is fast forwarding. Thank God for fucking like digital streaming or or owning a Blu-ray just going. I'm just going to skip to where Captain Hook gets his ass kicked by a crocodile. (laughs) Like that's some uncomfortable shit. There was some racism up in Disney. I ain't going to lie. I'm never really going to (laughs) lie. About that, yeah. I love I love Disney. I wish you would kind of like admit to it, like kind of like the way Warner Bros. Like, hey man, we're sorry, we're really sorry about that, but we're not gonna erase our past. Like this is part of. We've discussed this before. Yeah, 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 I agree. I'm not sure if we've gotten it on on tape or whatever, but (laughs) just so I kind of like that Warner Brothers approach. Like, we're really sorry that that happened. We've gotten the Warner Bros. aspect, but we never really covered the Disney aspect. Yeah, Disney's just kind of (laughs) like they just slide it away. Like Song of the South out. That racist, thi- that racist like caricature of a centaur, in Fantasia, out. The uh, oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're. Don't talking forget about. the Siamese cats. Yeah, that's one of my favorite Disney movies. Is Aristocats. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Aristocats. I'm talking about Lay in the Tramp. Oh, is it Lay in the Tramp? Lay in the Tramp has the uh, well, no, well, Aristocats still has the racist Asian oh, stereotype. And yeah. yes, yes, and kind of Italian too, and Russian. <laughs> I was waiting to see how many you're gonna keep going. I'm just and, and kind of black, kind of black. But that's Scatman Crothers. Yeah, yeah. Some people argue that the Jungle Book is racist because they made a black man one of the because uh, they made him oh, one of the orangutans. Yeah. But I didn't really. I mean, I don't know. I, well, I, I think they no, they had hired him to be that character. But that's the uh, that's the argument. Yeah. So. But the cousin Dumbo arc named Jim. For the love of Christ, Tim Burton, do not bring back the crows, fuck's sake. <laughs> like, when I, when, when I heard, like, the, the remake... You're gonna tell a goth guy not to put crows in his movie. <laughs> <laughs> what are your all your crows' name? Eric and Draven. <laughs> Eric, Draven, Corvo. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was him? The damn movie, Maleficent Diablo? It's one of the rapes. <laughs> That's from the Sleeping Beauty. That's from Sleeping Beauty as well. There's a lot of racist shit. It's not fun racist shit. Because there is no such thing as fun racist shit. And we've already talked about racism before on this podcast. No need to bring this shit up again. We got swing time like a motherfucker. Yeah, that don't. Just. Huh. Unfortunately, examining movies from history, you're, you're bound to run into this stuff. Whether it's benign or or straight out it's like, because it's it yeah it's because of the shit like i'm, I'm letting you know i now. mean there's probably things that we do now that maybe later on we'll be like oh we should have done that yeah i'm i'll level with you it, it, it's actually because of like all the racist shit that we've experienced and on like in some of the movies that we watch that like spo- not spoilers but like just in advance season three for february we'll be doing a black history month okay so like i want to focus all on right that. blade two <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're doing a whole bunch of side notes, but this movie wasn't good. Uh, I brought up Yamada Toro to my remember I was like, oh yeah, I love I love a lot of his movies. I was like, it's like you know, I love I like I was like I love Shape of Water. I love like uh, I loved Hellboy and like it's like 
She's like, what's your favorite? Oh, my favorite's Pan's Labyrinth. She's like, what's your second favorite? And I looked her dead in the eye and went, play two. <laughs> like, with, no, uh, no with, fucking irony. Play two. With a young Norman Reedus in it. Oh, yeah. That movie's fucking awesome. I don't give a fuck. And then he, he takes the design of the vampire-eating vampires and yeah. he uses them in the strain. Oh, my gosh. The, the kind of, like, mouth thing with, uh-huh. the, with the tentacle tongue. Fuck you. He uses them in the strain, which is something which is a book series he co-wrote. Yeah. And, oh. Made I, into a TV show. Yeah, I can't wait to talk more about him at the end of this fucking year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're doing that. Shape of Water, yeah. Pretty fucking excited. What else is there to talk about? I mean, we talked about the, you know, the backdrops and, like, just the design. Again, like, that stuff is, like, and it's not like, oh, it's, like, a cheap set. Like, it looks really amazing. Like, everything. <laughs> this, in fact, actually won um, the two Oscars. It won for what we've mentioned. Uh production design and one thing we could also talk about is visual effects yeah when it comes to really the good. squid like holy shit yeah i thought it was gonna be kind of cheap because i was just, i was assuming it was gonna be like uh ed wood <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was gonna <laughs> you come on let's get this shit over with pull the string pull the string pull the string pull the string ah, ah bella we gotta do the scene <laughs> fuck you it's cold you do the scene then <laughs> all right bella more intensity fuck Ah. <laughs> I'm so glad we both like that movie. If you haven't seen Ed Wood, you should go watch Ed Wood. Like I, I know Johnny Depp's a scummy guy, but there are good movies in his repertoire. We are covering one this month. Oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, there are f- certain movies that I look, I don't look over. I just, I watch knowingly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna toss Secret Window out of here. Oh yeah, that doesn't. That's not one of the movies I watch. <laughs> We'll talk more it's about it. It's usually his indie darling ones like Dead Man and Dead Man. Yeah. When yeah. we get when we get there, we'll talk about that. Yeah. I have things to say about Johnny Depp. Uh, fucking secret window. <laughs> Sweet fucking art. But no, you and um what's really impressive is like the the art of this movie is amazing, like and, and the effects they're so grand and you could tell that this is a fucking fifty four and they managed to build a giant fucking squid to attack complete with tentacles oh yeah and it like looks really nice too like it's it has a fucking beak yeah which is actually really nice detail that i appreciate it yeah it's not very people really realize that octopuses and squids have beaks yeah <laughs> which it's are fucking terrifying. terrifying yeah it's really terrifying Wait, uh there's like, that part where this one guy gets attacked by the squid and he falls back into the sub uh-huh. and Kirk douglas's characters they put him and his his friends in, in yeah in holding and he breaks out and he's like getting out and he sees the guy's like oh what happened to you, friend? He goes, oh, what's going on there? But, like, I don't know how he's missing the fact that there's, uh-huh. like, a giant squid attacking. <laughs> and and it's crazy because you could tell Disney really loves this movie because from just, like, someone else's personal experience, my partner, my girlfriend, she went to Disneyland Paris. Their Tomorrowland is all Jules Verne. That's the whole fucking thing. Like, it's all modeled after Jules the Verne. steampunk design. They have, like, Journey to the Center of the Earth stuff. They have, they have, they just set it up to be that world. It's called Discovery Land, basically. So, because the person that designed it, you saw the, the fun yeah, guy. It has, like, t- Tony Baxter who designed it. This was kind of his baby project, right? Oh, hell yeah. Like, he'd been trying to make it everywhere else, but it never worked out. Mm-hmm. He, he was a, he's a fantastic, he's still with us. He's a fantastic Disney um, designer. He did stuff like Journey into Imagination. And he even has, he even worked with the park. Like, he has his own window at Disneyland actually if you so on Main Street some of the windows are actually people that worked at the company 
Like, what do you mean? They like there's an office. Some of in them there? are some. No, some of them are Imagineers. They have a window dedicated to them. Oh, kind of like the wall, like how Walt has one. Yeah. So Tony Baxter has one, and it says like, it says like imaginative, creative, or something on there, like uh-huh. something celebrating his work. But that's his project. That's the thing. And I asked her like, you've been to? It was after watching that video too. <laughs> we really are pushing that video. Please watch it. After that, I was like, how was that? Because you've been to the park. She's like that park is marvelous like she said it is absolutely gorgeous to be in like not even just the tomorrowland section but like they captured the sleeping beauty castle from the actual movie they actually carved the bushes to look like the fucking square bushes from the sleeping beauty oh wow and she showed me pictures like that sleeping beauty fucking castle that's the castle i know from the movie like i was losing my shit and i talked to her about discovery land she's like oh yeah it's great and it, it looks nice but fuck that ride because <laughs> they, they kept some of the stuff uh-huh. the aesthetic of the ride to get into the space mountain and one of them <laughs> one of them i think she was also in 20,000 leagues later to see are you talking about at one point there is a fucking squid on a window with the beak going like this she said she saw that and immediately ran the fuck out <laughs> like it scared the shit out of her like she's like nope I'm fucking done. <laughs> but no, it's it and I love when Disney did that. In fact, like for their 50th anniversary, they did these amazing mosaics. And my mom had always told me like, "Oh yeah, there's a, there was a really cool submarine right here and it was awesome. Like you would have loved it." <laughs> we talked about the Finding Nemo thing recently. Yeah. Fuck that. It's claustrophobia like a motherfucker. <laughs> um but I remember during the 50th, they made mosaics out of pictures throughout their history of the park. And, like, people had donated pictures of the one with the Marble Man? Huh? The Marble Man in there? <laughs> no. <laughs> what they did is, you know how they have the Tomorrowland Theater? That's where they did, like, the Star Wars show and shit? Yeah. Uh, this is also a very local episode. Because <laughs> we're all talking about Disneyland. We, not World. They did, on top, they did a full-scale mosaic wrapped around that part and it was 20,000 leagues under the sea and it was the nautilus about to be attacked by the squid oh wow and it was just comprised of pictures and it looked fucking awesome (laughs) it did there was another one too because they just put mosaics throughout there was one that was cool they had if you walk through sleeping beauty castle on this side i was there and i was like oh that's pretty and it's like philip about to kiss aurora I was like, that's pretty. And I look, and on the other side was fucking Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty as a dragon. And it was like a big ass mosaic of it. That scene, I was like, that is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life. (laughs) It's just staring at you. It's cool shit. Like, like, I love Disney's, like, design on this, but the movie isn't good. And Disney sometimes has a problem with that. The movie's aesthetic could be, like, beautiful, but it's it's style over substance. Yeah, but this is too much, like... It was not enough style for the amount of substance they were throwing at Mm -hmm. us. It was, like, two hours long, and it's, like... I think half an hour could have been cut out. Yeah. And it was just so boring, and... uh... There's another Disney movie that's like that, where I like the style, but the substance is meh. But I think I've started to warm up to it. It's actually recent. It was Toronto Legacy. 
Because it looks I remember, beautiful. So I, re- I remember that I thought the story was okay, and I was kind of a little bummed that they didn't... They, uh-huh. It had some things similar to this where they had some really cool ideas that I wish they had fleshed out more, mm-hmm. but they didn't go into. But they did a little more work in that one yeah. than they did in this one. But I still liked seeing Tron Legacy, and I was like, that is amazing. It That's, looks beautiful. That, it, it's a beautiful It has the look of the movie. sequel everyone wanted. Though. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe they could do a touch-up now on the on uh, oh, Jeff Bridges I rewatched it oh they boy could, they could probably because it kind of looks like it still looked a little it's CG like, it's not the uh, it's not you know it's not Michael Douglas in like the 80s look which no. is a, which is amazing because I was rewatching Tron Legacy and I'm sitting there and they have that opening shot where like he's talking to like Sam and he's like you know I was in the <laughs> in beautiful Jeff Bridges fashion. Yeah, man, I was in the computer. <laughs> like, talking. And I was like, oh, they're gonna slow pan across his face. Oh, and I, and then I, all I had in my head was like, oh, fuck, it's been eight years. And they turned and I see it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it was like super waxy and like kind it's of still, bobbly. It looks, it still looks, it's like the early, you know, use of that, which is yeah. the same. I wish, I hope they maybe I hope so too. I wish they also, could. Great fucking soundtrack in that. Dude, yeah, the score yeah. is so fucking good. And the Death Punk additions to it. Yeah. Hell the fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm a Death Punk guy, so I'm just like, this movie's fucking cool. Soundtrack's cool. I it had a go. cool. It had, did you watch the show that was related to it? Did it, it was actually really good too, and they brought back Olivia Wilde for it. Ooh, well. nice. Um, there, there, there certainly was that. It's funny because we've gone such a long way from that scary ass effect. Because I remember when me and Jennifer watched Civil War, <laughs> and we're sitting there, and they show like they show like John Slattery and Hope Davis having a conversation. And they're like, "Isn't that right, Tony?" And you see Tony Stark, and it's fucking Robert Downey Jr. But how Ladies. he looks, but how he looked like in like Chaplin and shit. And you're just like, "No, it looks not like Chaplin. It like SNL in the '80s." Oh yeah, and I was and like <laughs> weird. It looked like him in weird science. <laughs> me and Jennifer are looking at each other like, "This is fucking weird." And like then his skin like. Okay, so that's not. This isn't a critique on the uh-huh. on the on the graphics. It's just when Robert Downey Jr. was young, he looked very rubbery. Yeah, and like he looks, he looked like a like a Ken doll. Yeah, and I told I had told Jennifer, and like I looked, I was like, that looks like that looks like because the rubbery part is that's just how he looked when. He and was then young. when it moved and it moved fluid like a normal human, me and Jennifer freaked out even more. We're like, oh oh shit! I know a lot of people didn't like it for Rogue One. But the Target th- looked kind of off. It depended. On, it depends on the theater you went to, honestly. Okay. If you went, I think I saw it. Which one? I think I saw it in either Cinemark. It was one of those kind of like high def uh, oh, okay. theaters, and I was like, "That looks like fucking." And I was like, I picked the right seat. I was like, "That looks like fucking Target." Yeah, that looks like. Peter and I watched Christian. it in a shittier theater. I was like, "Oh." But the but the example you gave, which is perfect, and actually still works with this movie, so it's not being tangential. I mean, this whole thing's a tangent. Yeah, much. is Michael Douglas that that fucking age aging him to look like Michael Douglas in the eighties and Ant Man? I watched that movie on like a free rental, uh-huh. and on a pretty good screen. And I'm sitting there, it's like eighty, I think eighty eight or eighty nine. Yeah, it's like the eighties and that. It's like bringing Hank Pym. I was like, oh, I wonder how they're gonna pull this. Like, off. I wonder, like, wonder who they got cast as young. Yeah. And I see, and I look and go, that's fucking Michael Douglas. And my main, my, my, my main, my brain couldn't process it. Like, whoa. Because then I see Haley Atwell and like in makeup. And then and I see, he, yeah, and then I see John Slater. I was like, my brain cannot process what the fuck is happening right now. 
because I'm just like super confused. Did you ever notice? Well, this is kind of another tangent of a tangent. Did um, you notice that for um, Howard Stark, obviously when he was young, he's based on Howard Hughes. Uh huh. But as he got older, he kind of resembles more of a Walt Disney esque. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that till right now. I was like, he looks like fucking Walt Disney. Also, John Slattery's kick ass. Yeah, great but, actor. Um, I saw. I was like, holy shit! And then I looked it up. They did get a stand-in for that. Yeah. And the stand-in looks also like looks like Michael Douglas. I was like, what the fuck? What the well, fuck? Was Michael Douglas also there for that, though, too? Yes. There was, like, three ways. So there was, like, a lot of work put into that, obviously. Yeah. But, like, that's how it paid off. Yeah. And it, it was funny because um, the more I thought about it, I, I, like, when I went to go see, um, when I was thinking back on, I didn't go see it again, but when I was thinking back on Black Panther, and how they uh-huh. did it to those effects for the younger people. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> no way hell does Sterling K. Brown, young, look like Forrest Whitaker when he was in the 90s. Oh, no. Because Forrest Whitaker in the 90s looked like Forrest Whitaker now. He looked like Ghost Dog. <laughs> yeah. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Um, the one good thing, though, they did is with um, with Black Panther's dad. Oh. Is that they hired his, his son. And his son looks Who's like around him. the same age as, like, uh, Chadwick Boseman yeah. to be, like, his young dad in the 90s. I was like, something about him. He looks like the dad. And then like, I looked at the credits. I was like, oh, that's because it's his son. Wait, yeah. that, that's that's God's smart good casting. fucking casting. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, have we covered the first Whitaker movie on this podcast? I mean, there's always a chance to do Ghost Dog. <laughs> Is that on Criterion? Not yet. Hold probably. on. I got shit to look up really quick. Um, should we get into final thoughts now? I mean, with yeah let's okay let's just do that roundup because we this thing's pretty much a tangent yeah pretty much um ghost dog it's okay so it's a really wonderful looking movie it there are subjects there are things in it that are very dated uh in societal norms while it presents an interesting like opportunity for great Uh ideas and characterization they're kind of just passed up for nothing it seems nope which is really a shame because you have these great actors who do great kind of internalized dramas and, and characterizations of, of people. And it's kind of passed up. Like, you know, Kirk Douglas obviously is a powerful actor. I mean, James Mason could have been an, like an impressive, like, uh, Nemo. Peter Lore is always like a great, like, kind of uh, character actor, kind of like, um, who kind of does his own thing. I, I've seen his clips for the Maltese Falcon. Um, which we covered. I covered with Matt for yeah. the show. And I don't. I don't really. Know, I don't really know too much about the guy who played the professor. Oh, now you're doing. Um, but yeah, for a minute, I thought it was Sabrina's dad from the movie Sabrina. <laughs> but then I looked it up. And I was like, oh no, he isn't. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of. It's just like a really slow movie. I mean, I don't even want to recommend it to you guys based on just the aesthetics, because honestly, you could just look at still pages or clips on YouTube and get the idea. Um. I'm. I think I'm gonna give this like a one. A one? Damn! Fuck. Yeah. Even American Ninja guy. <laughs> well, American Ninja was like entertaining. American Ninja is like our ba- is like film a week's baby. It's entertaining <laughs> and it's like crazy and it's fun and it's it's I could sit down and watch that and I can enjoy myself and feel like I I enjoyed my moments sitting down. Yeah. I was like, if my phone wasn't broken, I would have been on my phone. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, I was really, and then I looked at my laptop. I was like, oh, I'll just go on my laptop. It's fucking playing on my laptop. God damn it. Yeah. So, 
one okay um well as for me this movie's fucking boring and they wanted to make something that was like a masterpiece or a bombast or like even a blockbuster in that sense and technically it was for its time yeah and it doesn't really reach that level now it's way past its prime it's horrendously dated it's slow it's meandering it doesn't really get its point across it's a waste of really good actors who like mason and douglas especially are kicking serious ass in their roles and they really but they're, they're understand not, but there's nothing in that there's nothing to it there's yeah. no like substance that they can draw from and even though it's visually stunning and visually just a marvel to look at there's nothing really there so i'm gonna give this it gets a pass because of the production design and the legacy that it leaves after but there's just not much there so it gets like a two i forgot to talk about the tension the way they built it it's very dated i almost forgot to talk about that like the tension and suspense it's just like it's not it's nothing comparable to what we watch now so it's just like slow and as like thick as molasses so it just it weighs on you because you're like, oh, nothing is happening. Yeah. Anything that's supposed to happen, I don't care about. Mm-hmm. So and that, it, it's not building that care within it as well. Because the audience now, it must have been something back in the day, but that's... Also, it doesn't have the song I thought it was going to have. What? It's the hole. There's the hole. The hole in the bottom of the sea. Um, I think also the thing that might also hurt this movie is that we've seen everything this movie has done way extremely better it's deriv. it's like the derivative nature of the last film i wouldn't even say but, that because i don't see any i see it done better but not because the derivative in my opinion is like a good movie and then people expand upon it okay this wasn't a good movie to me like okay. it looks really good and i can see where people take that look but i think other people i could you know it just i don't i don't find it derivative i just find it as a I just don't find it derivative. I just find it boring, and like, mm. I think other people got looked at it and go, "I can do it better," rather yeah. than some, rather than other people going like, "I love that," and I'm going to do an homage to it, and then just by their passion and hard work, it becomes more than yeah. what it was based off of. And they get you on that aspect. And that's why I like Atlantis: The Lost Empire. Yes. A lot more. Go watch so, them, guys. so if you are curious about Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Watch Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and um, just to get the feel, watch this. You can watch this movie as well and see. Maybe you disagree with us, which is okay. Variety, spice of life. But also, just as a dumb movie choice, watch League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> I just. I, I don't. I'm trying to remember a line from that movie. And I don't. There is none you could remember. Uh, I remember Tom Sawyer's in it. <laughs> remember that Tom Sawyer's in it. And for a long time as a kid, before I read Tom Sawyer, I'm like, who the hell is that? Or they did sound Tom Sawyer, but it didn't click that Tom Sawyer becomes a gunfighting adventurer. Yeah. Who, like, idolizes a big game hunter. I was just like, that's not Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer tricks kids into painting fences. Hell yeah. That's that's the Tom Sawyer I know. Yeah. He's got a hick friend that hangs out with Jim. Alan Moore hates it, but if you're drunk enough, you might like it. (laughs) Alan Moore hates all pretty much all his adaptations yes all his theatrical adaptations yes and you know what i wouldn't i do not i don't fault him for that i don't either everyone ruined your deeply thought out extremely worked on uh character driven stories and just put it on the (laughs) base roads and then just 
put a stamp on it for money and sold it out, I'd be pretty pissed off at the, the adaptation too. Though the Watchmen one is actually pretty close. I, I like that one. Watchmen is actually pretty close. Don't watch the one where they cut uh, the Black Flag. Oh yeah, it's it, the Black that Flag. Act, I what the it's fuck Black Freighter. Black Freighter, yeah. Don't, don't I was watch, about to ask you, like, yeah. they cut Black Flag videos. Well, that would, been, that would, that would better. fucking awesome. Don't watch the version. <laughs> there's a because there's like two versions of a director's cut. There's the director's oh, yeah, cut where they add like I know which where it's one. like three hours long, and then there's like one was like three and a half hours long with the, the black. I saw Freighter. that one. I watched Whoa, that one too, and I was shit. all like, I was like, oh, this does not work as well. On no. The, it only thing. works. It works on the wise. page, yeah. Yeah. Page wise. Oh god. So watch the director's cut without the Black Freighter <laughs> in it. Watch the Black Freighter separately. <laughs> All right. So for this episode, watch Lannis. Watch League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Watch Watchmen. You don't have to watch Watchmen. That's just that's. And watch Cool Runnings because I fucking said so. <laughs> I mean, I would say yes just because I, I just saw the episode of Jamaica for Anthony Bourdain's. <laughs> nice. And I was looking. I was like. That's where they came from. That's right. Fear the rhythm. Fear the rain. It's Bob Center. Yes. Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings. All right. We should get to the socials now, I guess. Or should we announce the next episode? I will do the next episode because next episode we are doing John motherfucking Borman's Excalibur. Yes. I don't know who John Borman is. <laughs> I know this is his most favorite I assume, movie. I just, I honestly just assumed this was based off just Arthur Tales in general. It's actually based off uh, a book, La Muerte de Arthur, which translates into the death of Arthur. I, I know Spanish. No, that was that was Latin. Her friend, ah, whatever fucking language La of the Moors. Lord <laughs> of Arthur. <laughs> whatever language of the Moors it has as its title, <laughs> you can figure it out. <laughs> Um, that movie is going to be awesome because not only does it have Patrick Stewart, as you joked, Liam Neeson, Gabriel Byrne, Helen Mirren. Liam Neeson's in it? Yes. Liam Neeson is oh, in shit. it. We got two Liam Neeson movies this year. Star Wars, man. All right. <laughs> I like how you looked at this guy. Like, did we? <laughs> like, dude, we just, yeah. It feels like fucking yesterday, kind of, because I had to edit it. You're the one who touches it more than I do. Yeah. Um, but we have a very special guest. We have an indie comic book uh, writer and artist, Mark Martinez, who will be joining us on that episode. Um, the main reason. <laughs> it was funny because I gave him the list. <laughs> I was like, which one do you want? And I think I explained on other podcasts. He's like, I've been researching Excalibur lately, so why don't we just do Excalibur? <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> it was funny because I thought he was going to pick on his on your majesty's secret service but he chose excalibur and my brain went oh hell to the yeah warning that movie is about two hours and 20 minutes this is long i think i think but this is gonna be like this is gonna be like epic fucking fantasy though okay i'm pretty fucking hyped i don't know i love this i love the legend of king arthur i wasn't like i I was i'm with you oh just that poster looks so fucking cool He has like a Frank Frazetta work. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm looking at it. I'm like, this looks so fucking cool. Well, I'm going to put it on my van. When I go smoke with my friends, you're going to think I'm so cool. <laughs> I pictured a dude like that. Just like smoking with like a Van Halen t-shirt, but like that fucking poster in the back. Dude, I don't want your salvia. Just give me the purple cup. <laughs> the title card of our... Of don't our... lean on my van, man. I just got it detailed. The title card of our, of that episode is the fucking poster because I thought the poster was so fucking cool. I'm like, <laughs> that's it. 
That's it. If the movie isn't as good as the poster, I'm gonna be upset. Oh, you haven't seen it? No, I've so seen. You literally it. just based it off a poster. No, I've seen clips of it. I wish you had said yes because that would have been funny as hell. <laughs> that would have been yes. Awesome. I'm sorry. It looks like a Yui Mouse Team fucking album cover, dude. Fuck, I have not heard that name before. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good, but he's not. He's not Yui Mouse Team though, man. Like that guy is the fucking that guy's friends. Oh, just suck his dick already. Fuck. <laughs> God damn, he's not like the fucking rock band form circa 2009. <laughs> Jesus. You know, my fucking friends are like, fuck it, you mean, I was like, I, who gives a shit? He twiddles his fingers very fast. Yeah, yeah. I don't care either. I just, <laughs> I just like his album Sorry, cover. that was just years of hanging out with metalheads. No, I just like his album cover. I never, I'm not going to listen to his music. I just want to look at the art. <laughs> I'll level with you. All right, that's enough for this episode. Uh, oh, social media. Yeah, right? Patrick, where can they find you? I am on Instagram at Pacha the Great. Uh, follow me on t- Tumblr at uh, pachathegreat.tumblr.com. Uh, I am on Twitter at Humane Ramblings. Uh, also, that is my Twitter handle. Uh, not my Twitter, but yes, it is my Twitter handle. It's also my Snapchat handle. Nice, and you can find me at Super on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Yes. <laughs> I've been doing so good these last couple of episodes that I fuck up. Uh, you ruined it. I'm ruined. Uh, you can find this beautiful podcast hosted at FoolWeekPodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook at FoolWeekPodcast and on Instagram and Twitter at FilmAWeek. And on Tumblr, FoolWeekPodcast.com. Tumblr.com. Well, we do, yes. Yes, we also have the website, yes. God damn it. And, uh... Thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing all our tangential shit. And next week will hopefully be much better. If you guys didn't listen to tangents before, you have now. You have now. <laughs> um, and as always, we end with an out of context line from the film. Hope you I haven't chucked hands with a tree in a long time. <laughs>